Does that history have any resonance for you? Well, I think if the political novel is defined by that standard you just offered, I haven't come close to meeting it because this book would be a very, very hard banner to march under, you know, like, let us now go and what? What would we do? <laughs> Become disillusioned, maybe? I don't really recognize a clear definition that I can cozy up to in the idea of the political novel. Instead, this is a book about political people. Honestly, if you want to know what I think politically, you might be better off going to some other things I've written. A novel called Chronic City, for me, is an emblem of all kinds of political outrage I felt that's sort of sublimated into this crazy story. This book isn't really like that. This is about the human experience of wanting the world to be other than it is. And in a way, it could almost have been done as readily from the right. I could have written this book about people who believed that McCarthy was right and then wanted Barry Goldwater to be president and then are in the Tea Party. Because it was my insight that to be communist in the era that my characters were was actually a very American choice to make. It was very characteristic to be fitful and utopian and kind of place oneself at odds with history, that that was a characteristic way of participating in our history. Now, I've, I've heard that uh, one of your characters, one of your main characters, Rose Zimmer, uh, was to some degree modeled on your own grandmother. Is that right? More than to some degree. I mean, I think I started the book thinking, I'm going to take everything I know about my grandmother and put it into this character and then work from there and start from there. Now, of course, once you start summoning up all the things a child can know about a very complicated, very dark, very intense, charismatic, but also very silent and enigmatic older woman, turns out there's not much. So I had a lot to invent as well. I had to surround my suspicions and my projections about my grandmother with all sorts of information from other places and from other people's lives, frankly, and also with just my own crazy wishfulness, my fantasies about, for instance, the book is very much about this woman's sex life in some ways. Even when it's not one that's being realized, she has this series of fantasy boyfriends. It kind of begins with Karl Marx and goes to Abraham Lincoln and Fiorello LaGuardia, and she ends up in a fantasy relationship with Archie Bunker. I have to ask you about Archie Bunker <laughs> from All in the Family. The premise here is so absurd. It's hilarious. Rose is this aging Jewish communist at this point. And Archie Bunker, of course, was the, the quintessential bigot, and she, she falls in love with him in her imaginary world. Yeah. Well, she's got this perverse streak in her that's very confusing for her, I think, that she's into authority. She kind of likes the beat cop, and she likes the neighborhood priest, and she likes mayors and presidents. There's something about the command and the, the assurance that she's excited about, and she wants to retrieve this for her own purposes. It's a very personal feeling for her. And then at the end of her life, when most of the justifications that she'd held so close that had allowed her to maintain a kind of pure, hardline communist perspective have been stripped away from her. History has denied her any solace, you know, basically as it did to true believers throughout the 20th century. It was a series of shocks and humiliations. What's left to her is her relationship to the neighborhood. She's become, despite herself, a resident of Queens. And she begins to see this tapestry of kind of ethnic styles that Archie Bunker exemplifies as having its own power and authority. And so she's really into his charisma and his willfulness and his 
the way you identify with him without wanting to. You know, even though he's saying absurd things, you lean forward. And so she herself is thinking, if I could only have Archie for a minute, if I could only <laughs> lure him into my bed, I would change him. <laughs> I'd make him think right. The ultimate leftist fantasy, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, I'd love to get a taste of your story and of Rose. And maybe we can go back to the very beginning, the opening, when sure. it's sort of this classic moment of American communism here. Could you yeah. read that? Okay, here goes. Quit screwing black cops or get booted from the Communist Party. There stood the ultimatum, the absurd sum total of the message conveyed to Rose Zimmer by the cabal gathered in her Sunnyside Gardens kitchen that evening, late fall 1955. Saul Eaglin, important communist, had rung her telephone. A committee wished to see her. No, they'd be happy, delighted to come to her home this evening after their own conference just across the gardens. Was 10 too late? This was a command, not a question. Yes, Saul knew how hard Rose labored.